Welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Libertarian Tony. Well, if this is your first time listening to this show, well, thank you very much. And if you are a repeat listener, well, then I also want to say thank you for coming back and listening to each and every show. Please don't forget to visit my website when you get a chance, libertyonfire.org, where you can get the podcast directly over the internet and links to support pages for the show to help keep the lights on and for some of the products that I'm going to recommend who I happen to be an affiliate marketer for. So if you want to support the show and you're interested in some of the products that I'm helping to promote, then go to my website and either make a donation on the Patreon page, which of course will also be in the show notes, or check out some of the products I'm advertising and see what you think. But remember to click on it through my link at my website or through the show notes. If you are a social media person, well then you can also check me out on Twitter at LOF Podcast. So that's L-O-F Podcast. And please don't forget to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever medium you're using to download and listen to the podcast. I really appreciate it. So this is a solo episode for you guys. And I covered this last year, or in, uh, I think in March. And the topic of today's podcast is the minimum wage. Now, this is a new election season, okay? We've got a presidential election coming up, 2020. And you're going to hear these politicians talk about this subject uh, maybe every other month or whenever it comes up. I mean, I just want you guys to be armed with some of the information uh, so that you know what to deal with it when you hear it. Okay, so let's get right into it. So the minimum wage. I can't believe these politicians and so many people are still playing around with this failed economic policy. So I figured if we talk about it and if enough people listen to the podcast and tell their friends about it, Maybe we can hope to educate some more people. So the ideal wage for someone working in a job is a market wage. What does that mean? you got an employer, an employee, who voluntarily come together and they agree on a certain wage and then that exchange will necessarily be the right one and it will be mutually beneficial. Otherwise, both parties would not have agreed to it. This is exactly why you don't need the government involvement in the economy. People don't need the government to tell them to get a job. Businesses don't need a government to tell them to hire people. Therefore, the economy doesn't need the government to tell them how much these businesses have to pay employees. So let's go on. So what is a minimum wage exactly? Well, it's actually setting a wage price floor. And what does that mean? It means that you're not allowed to pay people less than this amount. So on the surface... It may look nice for a bunch of politicians to say that we need to raise the minimum wage. It appears sympathetic for those, you know, those low income wage earners. However, what's often kept out of the conversation are the downstream effects of doing so. The thought process by a lot of people, which is very simplistic in this matter, they simply think that if the government passes a law saying the minimum wage has to be higher, then people will be paid more. There is no consideration of opportunity costs or unintended consequences. There's a reason why this saying is so popular, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Let's continue. So let's look at what the minimum wage actually does in effect. The consensus among most economists has always been, and still is, that a price floor on labor 
particularly low-skilled labor, leads to unemployment among the very people the minimum wage legislation is supposed to help. Now, who are those people? Well, young people with no experience, immigrants, minorities, and poor people. Now, aren't those the exact groups of, po- of people that these politicians are saying the minimum wage will help? These politicians can always find some super-woke economist to back their play, but these economists are so woke that they fell asleep on this subject. Anyway, so a government-mandated minimum wage increases directly the hourly price of labor. And now for the trade-offs and consequences. You get reductions in the number of hours worked. You get layoffs and unemployment. You get automation. You get operational changes to the business. And you get loss of opportunity. So let's take an example. So let's say you have a local Burger King which employs 10 people, one manager, and nine employees. The manager makes well over the minimum wage. Maybe six out of the nine employees make the current minimum wage. So then, if the current minimum wage increases from, let's say, $7.50 to $15 an hour, that's a huge jump in pay. In fact, it's a 100% increase in pay. And while this might sound reasonable to some people, this large increase in a relatively low-profit industry like fast food causes significant downstream effects. And now we're going to go through those in a little more detail. So Burger King can't just raise their prices on all their food and drinks by double to match this 100% increase in labor for some of their employees. So there are some other things that will now have to happen. Number one, they may have to reduce the number of hours worked for their employees and fire some staff. This means those that are not laid off will maybe reap the benefits of a higher minimum wage. However, they'll have to work harder to make up for having less staff overall. Let's say you were a cashier before. Well, now you may have to wash the dishes and clean the windows as well. And the staff who were originally making higher than the old minimum wage will now also have to request an increase in their wages in order to distinguish themselves from their peers. Because they were already making higher than the minimum wage before, right? Before the law went into effect. And they were making this higher wage presumably because they had more skills or experience. Maybe they were almost the assistant manager level before. And and so they're going to want to make more than the minimum wage going forward. And those people who were laid off or fired will have to be forced to look for another job, or they may not be legally employable at all anymore because now their low skill set, their lack of experience, has priced them out of the market. They may have to ask around and try to get a job paying cash and off the books. Additionally, now automation becomes much more feasible for a business because the price of labor has gone up significantly. That burger-flipping machine that was too expensive for that business a year ago now all of a sudden looks less and less expensive comparably. Also, instead of having to pay higher employee wages for someone to stand behind a counter taking orders, kiosks become more attractive to the business where you allow customers just to order their own food directly. So that was my example, but now let's look at a recent real-life example, the experiment from Seattle. So recently, Seattle had a large minimum wage increase 
and the results from that have backed up what I already told you. The minimum wage increase did overall increase wages, however, at the expense of total employment, which went down. The total hours worked also decreased as these wages went up. But they also found that the biggest loss was amongst the workers who hadn't even entered the job market at all. People with no experience who were just about to come into the labor market but hadn't started looking for a job yet, now they were having trouble finding any job at all. So the key takeaway from that study was that a higher minimum wage created a barrier for entering this hourly labor market for those with little or no experience, who again tends to be the young people, immigrants, minorities, and the poor. Is it so hard to understand that businesses need to make certain economic decisions and they can't hire a worker if the business has to pay the worker more than the worker can bring in in revenue. And businesses surely understand that on-the-job training is an investment in that employee. However, at $15 an hour, that investment may not make sense from the business owner's perspective, especially if it's like a teenager with no employment record or who may only be working a few months and then leave, leave to go to school or someone home from school for the summer or for winter breaks? Why would a business lose money by hiring somebody with little experience, train them, and then just to have them leave and go back to school or take another job? Increasing the cost of labor disincentivizes companies from hiring workers, especially those who require training. So the next time you hear a politician or some activist talk about the minimum wage, or God forbid a living wage, Think about that saying, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Think about why this new government law making low-wage workers now legally unemployable, how is that a good thing? And ask this question, why should a worker with relatively low productivity or experience not be allowed to get a job? Think about how raising the minimum wage is going to hurt the less productive and less skilled workers and not help them. But that is what increases in the minimum wage actually do. One more thing I want to add that should be kind of obvious to most people is that you're not really supposed to be supporting a family on a minimum wage, right? The minimum wage is only supposed to be like a temporary wage that you get because you have no experience or training, but then after a while and you get better at your job and you show your boss you can do more and more things, your wage goes up because now you have the skills demanding more money. Okay, so you have to understand a few things. One is that very few people across the country actually make the minimum wage. And those that do only make the minimum wage for a short period of time. And we have to think about personal responsibility here as well, right? If someone is 40 or 45 years old, and they're still making the minimum wage, I think they've got more problems than a politician can actually solve. It's pretty likely that these people have made some really bad life decisions. And there's no way a politician is going to fix that. Well, I have a few commercials for you guys. I'm an affiliate marketer for several different companies, which I do recommend if you're interested in such products. And you have my word that I'm only going to promote stuff that I actually use and that I actually think is a great value. So I want to tell you a little bit about Captivate FM. 
I use Captivate FM as my podcast hosting platform, and it's probably the best podcast hosting platform there is. Captivate is said to be the apple of podcast hosting, and the value is certainly undeniable. And you can get seven free days just for trying it out. I host my podcast through Captivate, which is the world's only growth-oriented podcast host, and you can too. Next up is the McClanahan Academy. So this is at McClanahanAcademy.com, and that's M-C-C-L-A-N-A-H-A-N. And a little bit about Brian McClanahan, who created this academy. He's an author of six books and a renowned historian. He got his Ph.D. in history at the University of South Carolina. He has written numerous articles for many websites and magazines. He has nine courses for sale right now on his website covering pre- and post-Civil War American history. And he's a fantastic historian and will give it to you straight. And the next product I want you to check out is called Liberty Classroom. And you can go to libertyclassroom.com to take a look. And you can get the history and economics they didn't teach you in school. Several fantastic historians and economists have courses on this site, which you can play over the internet or through a phone app on such topics as philosophy, American history, Western civilization, the American presidents, and the interesting connection between science fiction and liberty. You can also get courses on history of economic thought, current economic thought, and remember, this is the true history you didn't get in school without the political correctness that we all love to hate. And please remember, if you're going to try out any of these products, I only get credit if you click on one of them through either my website or through the show notes on my podcast. Okay, guys, thank you for listening, and let's remember to keep those fires of liberty burning bright. (laughs) 